0: Welcome to the Board Be of Brand Forum Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Leo Campbell of Modern Baker. We're going to hear the story behind this company, which is a life sciences business based in Oxford. Leo will be talking about the relationship between what we eat and drink and how this affects our health and general well-being. He'll claim that diet-related chronic illnesses now stand alongside climate change as the greatest threat to humanity. And this company is on a mission to democratise healthy eating by improving the quality of dietary carbohydrates for the common good. Leading scientists are now agreed that the microbiome, commonly referred to as gut, plays a highly important role in our health and the current epidemics of obesity, diabetes, allergies and even depression. A healthy gut is a massive contributor to overall health outcomes, but its workings are a mystery to most. Not, however, to Modern Baker, who have worked with some of the leading UK scientists and research institutes to launch the world's healthiest bread. So welcome, Leo. Maybe we we'll just start with the wider issue of the threat to humanity from our current diet.
1: Yeah, hi, good morning. The fundamental issue with diet-related chronic illness, as you described it, is its effect on the... on. Uh, driving what's known as metabolic syndrome, which is a cluster of illnesses that are now very much of a kind of modern era that are slowly but surely and increasingly crippling healthcare systems globally to the tune of trillions of dollars. And what it is is that we we have a body that's evolved over 5 million years um, and uh, it's very finely tuned At the heart of it is our two kilos of microbes in our gut that are an incredible chemical factory. And they need to have the right food going into them to do their work, which is to create chemicals that then enter your bloodstream and circulate your body and regulate and modulate all of the important things in our lives, principally the immune system, but they also control what happens to our to a large degree, our mental health, our mood and our physical health and so forth. The problem with the modern diet is that the vast majority of the foods that we eat um, in the UK, it's 55, 56 percent of all food consumed is from ultra processed food that doesn't feed the, the gut microbiome. And also along the way, it does all sorts of other things within our Uh, biological system that are not meant to happen. And it's the root cause of that whole sequence of events that is now crippling healthcare systems and, uh, and blighting the lives of individuals, families, communities, and, you know, at population level as well.
0: So does that mean that over 50% of what we eat not only is not doing us all that much good, but is causing some actual harm?
1: That's absolutely beyond doubt. I think, look, this podcast is originating from the food industry and there'll be a lot of resistance to that point of view from the food industry. But this is the right conversation to be having on the right topic right now, because I think there's a lot of, um, you know, we need to wake up to all of this so what you the question you just asked me is correct that um, the majority of the food that's being consumed is unhealthy for us let's take, take a you know a measurement of minus 10 and plus 10 and let's assume that zero means a product a food that is neutral it's neither good nor bad for you um, in terms of health I mean of course we need to fill ourselves up we need to Create energy for our bodies to work, but if we talk about long-term health, um, then uh, then ultra-processed foods, without or, without really any exception or anything from you know minus one to minus ten, and it really is as simple as that. And over time, this builds up in us, and it affects different people in different ways. But over time, that is the fundamental problem.
0: And if the, if, if the problem is this fundamental, can you give any reason as to why there isn't greater awareness of it at the moment?
1: Well, I think there are several factors, one of which is that the government guidelines throughout the world, the basic nutritional advice that drives the food industry and consumers and everything in between uh, is based on science that is forty years old. It's more, you know, basic chemistry rather than human biology, and so there's a lot of confusion in the marketplace, and there's a real tension as well because um, a food company is ob- obliged to try and conform as best it can to the law and the regulations, but if they're wrong we're in a terrible mess and that's, that is where we are right now.
0: Yeah. And it, could there be, an, it just strikes me, there could be an analogy here between the fact that uh, when Rachel Carson wrote Silent Spring, which was about 70 years ago, for about 30 or 40 years, nobody paid an awful lot of attention to it. And it's only in the last 10 or 20 years that the problems of climate change have come into the popular consciousness. Do you think it's going to take that long for the problems with our diet to get into the popular consciousness,
1: I think it's like all of these things. The answer is yes and no, because it's not a linear. Yeah, uh, it's not a linear progress, and um, I think things are massively accelerating at the moment. Um, I, you just have to look at the media. Although, you know, I have confirmation bias because of the world I live in. Yes, yeah, I, I probably over-index on the uh, you know the, the 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 media coverage and the other things around this very subject but the UK had the national food strategy last year and the year before Henry Dimbleby and it was very very good I mean everything is in there that we need to know so it it, it is in the right hands it's been thoroughly researched at government level this is in the UK and uh and and things are slowly starting to be done Right. I mean the sugar tax was you know what was a first step and it has worked.
0: Yeah. Could you define ultra processed foods?
1: Yeah, again, this is something that the food industry will probably uh you know try and uh, suggest isn't a definition. But the the term ultra-processed food is based on um uh some and it is now widely accepted within the scientific community. That There are four stages of food, you know, there are primary ingredients, and then there are sort of mildly processed ingredients, then there are, um, you know, processed ingredients, which include uh, probably, for example, homemade bread, um, you know, using, you know, thought and uh, not just speed, and then ultra processed foods, which are essentially, technically not really food at all, um, by any proper definition or human biology definition so the ingredients have been so processed that they work industrially in a fantastic way but when they manifest themselves on the supermarket shelf or 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 indeed in one's own body you know they have virtually none of the qualities that um that were originally in the origin products and that's where the confusion comes because you know it's grain or it's um you know, it once upon a time was fruit, or it was something that grew in a field, and therefore people cling on to that aspect of it, mm. thinking that well, that obviously is in the final product, and it's not. And, and, and what they do, they get digested very quickly. That's the problem. Yeah. On 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 the one hand, and they often contain ingredients that have been so highly processed. That they're actually physically damaging for the body that's really the fundamental problem
0: would you say most of the bread in our supermarkets today falls into that category
1: so this isn't me saying this that it is um the the most commonly eaten ultra processed food in the uk is white industrial bread Mm. so it it, it is it's our staple food and it is an ultra processed food And if you go on the Federation of Bakers' website, there is a very simple response to that. It just says uh, the industrial loaf is not an ultra-processed food. And and, and I understand why that needs to be defended and so forth because you can't just stop doing this or change everything overnight. And that's why we came into existence as a company.
0: What sort of scientific... Developments did you have to make, or scientific contacts you had to make uh, to develop your bread?
1: Well, our start point was that everything we were going to develop at the beginning, we knew we had to start from inside the human body. So we had to look at all the the pinch points and all the important parts of human digestion and the consequences of that. So in the entirety, and work back from that. So they. Uh, that led us then to obviously to have to work with kind of high level scientists, labs and research technology organisations, academia. So uh, a number of the, for example, uh, people that we connected with were Newcastle University's uh, Cell and Molecular Biosciences Department. Uh, we've worked ex- extensively with Camden Bri, who I think will be known to many of your members. Um, and uh oxford brooks who have a center for nutrition there uh, and, and many other other people so at the heart of it the piece a piece of equipment we have a model gut system which mimics human digestion so it's an in vitro model um that we measure everything through and we've modified that to actually measure things that it was never intended to measure or Uh, You know, it can do, but nobody had asked it that before. And that's at the heart of our science. And then our new product development has had to emanate or originate from that outwards into the product. (laughs) It's been a long journey, I can tell you. Yeah, yeah. How many
0: years have you been developing it?
1: Six, really. When we decided we wanted to look at making baked goods healthier, we realized very quickly at first we thought that fermentation was likely to be the platform technology that was going to be at the heart of this and um and then we quickly realized that there was much more to it than that we knew we needed to get some high powered science so we 5 6 years ago we started applying for grants from the uk's innovate uk department and we ended up having five successive Uh, grant funding wins um you know in excess of seven figures over the time that has fueled all of this so we've been on this journey for longer than the six years because it started before that but the hard science has been a six-year journey
0: and at the end of that six-year journey can you describe to me the difference the ingredients that is in your bread your modern baker bread which will hopefully solve a lot of the problems we've been talking about so the ingredients that you have compared to the ingredients that the bread that we buy at the moment would have
1: sure and i think uh, before i answer that question to say that we haven't actually come to the end of our no
0: our yeah. research yeah. Yeah.
1: in fact we believe we are only just at the beginning of it i mean it's been really exciting arriving where we are now but actually our pipeline of innovation and research uh, is even more exciting than where we've got to at the moment. We're just opening doors and opportunities everywhere. But there, there are several insights. And if you, the, the, the key one is that um, the we, what we had to work out was the ability to work with the existing system and processes. So we had to look at ultra-processed food and not think, how can we make things that can mean they're not ultra-processed. And this is probably our biggest breakthrough. We we, we worked out how we can work with ultra-processed foods. And therefore, it's all about offsetting the problems that are fundamentally wrong with ultra-processed foods from a human biology point of view. So one of the big problems is blood glucose absorption and the speed of that. And so that was the first question. How can we slow that down? And the fact is there are all sorts of ways of doing that with natural products within the food industry. And for whatever reason, they have been perhaps just ignored, partly because, for example, in bread, a lot of them work against the chemistry that you that makes bread bread, um during processing and uh, the you know the complicated process and we've had to find ways around that so the one primary ingredient group and I call it a group but the industry tends not to it's considered a single thing is fiber and i mean fiber is just a magnificent incredibly powerful ingredient but there are literally hundreds of different types of fibers that do different jobs within the body. And actually, they rely on building on each other. And therefore there's an exponential effect. If you have a combination of the right fibers, they just get more and more powerful and they do the job that nature intended. There isn't an ingredient there isn't a a natural product that grows in a field or anywhere else. That has one single source of fiber in it. There is always a spectrum. So, within a spectrum of fibers, which are hard to work with in the processing context, they uh, th- there's a lot that can be done. Firstly, on the blood glucose absorption, uh, the speed of absorption, which, and of course, in a way, that's a proxy metric, because although it, it's really important, and our products. They blunt that spike, and it 's a characteristic of ultra processed foods that they, they they are very spiky and uh, and that 's what stresses the um, uh, your insulin production in the body, which is what then leads on to it, it gets exhausted the production mechanism, and that is the beginning of type two diabetes and ultimately what type two diabetes is all based on. Is just these surges of insulin, so uh, blunting uh, all of that is one of the mechanisms we use. Fibers are one of those the the ingredient spectrum that, or a spectrum of fibers, are very much part of that. But there are other mechanisms we use as well. So plant chemicals, um, you know, phytonutrients, antioxidants, all of those things you find in in fruits and vegetables and other things as well, legumes. Um are really powerful chemicals that all uh help with those processes in the body, but getting them into food is a very very hard thing to do if you're putting it through um, an industrial process so so we we have bioactive compounds and we have a spectrum of fibers um, they very much form the central part of the Ingredients that we have that are different, when we get that right, they too have the effect of reducing the amount of calories that are actually absorbed in the body. And this is a really, really exciting area to be able to uh, understand that you can control that. So you might consume 100 calories, but only 80 or 70 might actually be going into your body. And the brilliant thing about that is that the ones that don't, which will be the the fibers and the things that get uh, are don't make uh the early stage of digestion end up as in in your large intestine where your gut microbiome is and if you've got the blend right they become the prebiotic fibers that will fuel your gut microbiome to make them do what nature intended and start pinging through your body delivering all the the right chemicals to the right part of your body and by the way so do the bioactive compounds. So they're a chemical stimulant, and the prebiotic fibres are the physical uh, food that your gut microbiome requires. Does that
0: mean, in effect, that not only were you going to be more healthy, but you could be slimmer as a result of eating this bread?
1: Well, um, I, I suppose I'd resist being quite so direct about... Our product. I mean, we have to be very careful what we claim and things like that. But in essence, yes, that's that's absolutely correct. And um, uh, and I think using bread as a vehicle for this, it's always been a driving point for us. Is that um, it's a gateway product to people changing their habits and things. If people feel that their staple food, that they're, they're on top of their staple food in a way, it 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 it's it allows them to start a journey confidently about starting to include other things as well.
0: What do you think, what are the other foods that are likely to follow your lead if this product is successful? What's the next breakthrough?
1: Well, we're kind of already there in the sense that we've tackled the hardest product range, product category um, that we can, which is baked goods. Um, I mean, they're deeply complicated to process and to produce. And, and of course, they're fresh products as well. So you've got that other added complication. What Essentially what we're talking about, we're talking about bread here, but it's actually what we have developed is about carbohydrate-rich ultra-processed foods. So that it's about dealing with the carbohydrates um, or the carbohydrate element of ultra-processed foods. And so that is applicable across many other food categories, obviously not just bread. So, pasta. There's a whole breakfast, yeah. um, and we can we we, we we've developed um, what we call uh, a, a, you know an alternative carbohydrate food systems model. So, is a whole ecosystem with an input of uh, calorie dense al- uh, ultra processed foods an output of the other at the other end of what we call a nutrient dense for the sake of argument alternative carbohydrate food yeah and yeah and that and and so that could include a chilled dessert as well as all those other things i've spoken about and everything in between
0: i suspect there's two issues that might come into people's minds when they hear you talking about these foods. One is, what are they going to taste like? How will the taste of your bread differ, or will it differ, from the bread that they're used to?
1: Well, I mean, so we have an R&D site, and we have had to do thousands and thousands of trials and tests of different ingredients. I mean, that's the other complexity to all of this, is that there are some easy solutions, but they don't work in terms of taste or processing or things like that. And just over time, we have worked on it. And, uh, I mean, all of our products and the new range we're about to launch um, have all been through taste panels and so forth, and people love them. Right. So it's been a lot of hard work to make sure that they, the taste profile is – it, it can't just be as good as, it has to be better than – the status quo, but
0: your research among ordinary consumers testing it would suggest that you can achieve a taste that at least as good and perhaps even better.
1: The, the st- a- a- absolutely, yeah. and and one of the key groups that we test with is uh, children, right? And um, you know, because they, uh, you know, for whatever reason, are are very good subjects on this.
0: The, I think the second worry that would. Come into people's minds is what's it going to cost how much more if it's going to be more how much more expensive would it be than the bread that they're normally used to buying
1: yeah again a major you know without a proper commercial platform for all of this it's just it's just another good idea and so that's the other thing we've had to do is about scalability and and that's i mean that's been an, another massive massive driver and uh and so the range that we're about to bring out in september will be uh will be more expensive than normal loaves and other baked goods but um uh so we might be let's say instead of 150 250 for a product but there are plenty of other products uh at that price range and higher that's already. about a
0: 60 or 70% increase isn't it
1: well you you say that but i mean there is a you know there the, there are almost billions of pounds already um being spent on products of that uh, that price range right so it it isn't however just in the last week fun enough we've made a processing breakthrough in terms of being able to now um uh put our products into through A very high-speed processing option. Now that's going to take just a little bit of time to get through the system. But that's that. So we are now at the stage where the price premium needn't be very much at all. Um, It's it's, it's essentially the cost of these slightly more expensive ingredients, and then there's you know the whole kind of supply chain and retail chain, sort of consequences of that.
0: Uh, You've already discussed this with the retail trade. What sort of reception did you get?
1: It's been fantastic. This is um, mu- now
0: we're talking like I'm um, talking the big multiples.
1: Yes, that's correct. So we've spoken to most of the big multiples in the UK, and there isn't one of them who doesn't who 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 doesn't say, "Thank goodness, we need healthy in- innovation, especially in a major category like this." And um, that has been incredibly well received, to 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 the extent that. Um, in every case of conversations we've had, there's been a spontaneous um, reaction saying that they should be merchandised altogether uh, uh, such that they start to become a new category or subcategory. You know, you could call it essentially healthy baking or whatever you want, active health bakery.
0: Uh, which is always welcome in the retail trade, presumably.
1: Yeah. And and just to say, we already have a range in the market, um so we've been we've been active with retailers but but the but but it has been an expensive range and um but in every retailer we've been in and this tends to be the large independents if you want to call them that so people place it like whole foods Planet organic but in every case is that when they have taken our brand on and our proposition on it's the first time they've seen Value and volume increases in a category that's been pretty much dormant for fifteen years, mm. and what they attribute that to is this this whole area. So, if we just take bread as a category as a whole, um, many, many, many families have a kind of slightly ambiguous relationship with it. They want to modify their eating habits because they have reservations about feeding their families bread sorry to say that but that's true but they don't know what to do so they carry on doing it but when they're offered a solution they they leap at it and it completely changes their attitude towards it and they feel comfortable with a category again that they previously weren't and that is why the value and volume have grown and and it's all of those attributes we now want to move into mainstream retail.
0: And does that suggest that the population are beginning to realise some of the problems with the foods that they're they're eating at the moment, uh, but are not sure what alternatives they can they they can provide?
1: Yeah, when we talk to the retailers, um, there is this. We never thought this would come up, or and, and quite so starkly, but every single one of them actively complains about the lack of innovation coming from our category sorry and, leo when
0: you say our category you mean bread as opposed to just food in general or is yeah. it food in general
1: well it is wider than uh, th- than bread but specifically we uh, the the buyers and category people are pretty open about the fact that there is little innovation coming from the industry and i think the industry is in denial of that because they feel that they're really innovative, but they're not. And the one thing that the retailers are really looking for are health uh, or or healthier alternatives. I mean, everybody is, you know, from government, the retailers, you know, the planet needs it as well. The healthcare system needs it, individuals need it. And there is precious little coming through from the, uh, the food industry is what we're being told. And it's also our uh, experience as well as we get more and more into this.
0: Do you think Covid nineteen has heightened the public's awareness of the relationship between what they're eating
1: and health in general? Yeah, it's interesting. There's one uh, category director of one of the retailers um, that, that said that so the you know the kind of key stage one messaging that is required to communicate. Uh, a product or any product really um that the, the metrics that consumers walk into the supermarkets were really familiar with with were five a day and calories but since covid there's a new word that's kind of appeared on everybody's lips and it's what they call immunity so yes it has the, the big
0: big issue here and i have personal experience of it that the, the myself but uh, is the growth in uh, Alzheimer's and dementia and related those related illnesses is that anything to do with diet I suspect it is but is there any it
1: it, it absolutely is the modern lifestyle diet and let's take it just back to ultra processed foods is um, I mean the the, the consequences of it are just uh, astonishing so there's a phrase called diabetes which actually isn't isn't a bad one. It's no, used it's in medical terms mm, in America, yeah. actually, because it is less pejorative than using the word obesity. Yeah. Obesity is merely a symptom. It's not a cause. Um, so we hate using that phrase for a number of reasons. But metabolic illness is fundamentally about, I mean, people call it obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular, blood pressure issues, all of that. But then there are all these secondary issues and the phrase we often say is just in the A's, there's anxiety, asthma, Alzheimer's, and arthritis. You know, they are all directly linked, and that's just some of the A's, let alone all the, you know, the rest of the alphabet. Right. Um and if you can and and it comes down as more than anything else. So the Hazda tribe in Tanzania. Who are you know a tribal community that is pretty much unchanged? They consume hundred grams of fibre a day, and it is a, a massive spectrum of different fibres, and they change during the year. Um, in the UK, there are many many cohorts of people who barely barely ten grams of fibre, and they'll all be from one source, from wheat fibre, and they will be uh, that'll be insoluble fibre. That doesn't talk to your gut microbiome
0: just you know. can you just go through that the metabolic thing is obesity diabetes what's he called that metabolic what
1: a m- metabolic syndrome all oh, right or metabolic illness and it's a cluster of non-communicable diseases and they're all on the rise and they are generally classified as obesity type 2 diabetes cardiovascular and uh, all the blood pressure syndromes; these are things that s- are seemingly completely unconnected. And the problem is, if you go to the doctor, uh, they'll send you to a specialist about your arthritis. Mm. What there aren't any are, you know, are digestive system doctors really?
0: Well, it's an issue across all of society that lack of generalists and too much specialization is a function of the digital age. I think.
1: And in medicine, it's a really fundamental thing. I mean, I think everybody's heard the stat that. You know a medical student sometimes only gets as much you know not much more than half an hour about nutrition right. in their training yeah and and then there's a whole thing about the you know the pharmaceutical industry you know they're all they're interested in is the symptoms, not the causes because there's no money in in broccoli you know, <laughs> or bread <laughs> um so and 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 that's the problem yeah so if everybody ate. 10 more grams of fiber a day, but not wheat fiber, but, you know, decent fiber. You could probably model that very quickly and easily, uh, you know, a 10-year effect on the NHS, and it would run into probably literally billions, you know, yeah, yeah. To, just as simple as that.
0: Yeah. And therefore, you know, th- this is all going to help the development of foods like yours. When are we likely to see it in mass distribution?
1: We, we're gearing up for a September launch with a UK retailer for three products and it'll be a loaf, a bagel and rolls.
0: Are you planning a big, uh, marketing communications launch?
1: Um, yes, I think we will be utilizing mainly, uh, my background is marketing. So it will be what, what I call, uh, non paid for media. So it'll be mainly a PR push because we think there's such a good story behind this type of product launch that we will be able to harness kind of mainstream media sources to carry this.
0: And presumably social media and all the yeah. all the social platforms. That's
1: right. And uh, and in store and everything like that. But um but but really and truly uh Everything we've done with our brand so far and everything we've observed, um, we've worked very hard on the branding and the messaging and the core messaging and the secondary messaging mm-hmm. and the look, everything like that. We're very confident and it well, we know it, that when consumers see the product and the brand and the communications, they understand immediately that someone's now kind of fixed the problem and they get that they don't need a thousand details and flashes on pack uh, hinting at this and that and the other. They get it. And it's about really, really simple communication.
0: And will the pack be different than normal packs? Have you got pack designs
1: already? Well, because of the retail trade and the fact we're a contract manufacturing model, we have to conform to pretty standard things in terms of the physical packaging but yeah, the messaging and the branding and everything will be probably a lot stronger than a lot of of other of other products on the shelves. Or um, well, we certainly hope it will. Anyway.
0: Well, to finally, uh, last question. I'm sorry to be so parochial, Leo, but I'm going to have to ask us, When are we going to be able to see it in Ireland?
1: <laughs> um, I, the truth is, I don't know at the moment. Uh, there is so much to be done already in our pipeline with inquiries coming in and things being lined up. um, The export hasn't really been on our horizon. However, we're just going through another fundraising round. You know, we're a food tech business. So our ability to, to raise funds is probably different to most food companies. And within that, we will be talking about export and And we have connections with with Ireland already, and we like Ireland, and uh, it's an important place. So we will be on that in due course.
0: Thank you very much, Leo Campbell. That was absolutely incredible uh, and very, very important news for all of our food members. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Leo Campbell of Modern Baker. Just remember the brand name. Uh, thank you very much, Leo, for explaining in such detail and giving us such important news about future developments in the food industry, which I suspect would be affecting every category. Thank you for listening to the Bordea Brand Forum podcast. You can find out more about the show and the Brand Forum on the Bordea website. Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you're listening now and you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. See you next time.